investigative journalist Molly Barrows. For years, I've covered the stories that made headlines in Northwest Florida and all along the Gulf Coast. Murders. Missing persons. And mysteries of all kinds. These cases are far from over for many victims because the full story has yet to surface. Join me for Gulf Coast Confidential, where I dive into the saltier side of the South and expose the lies, greed, and corruption that often weighs down the truth. It's time to turn the tide and get a shot at justice. Hi, I'm Molly Barrows, a longtime reporter in Florida's Panhandle, and welcome to my investigative series, Gulf Coast Confidential, where we dive into the saltier stories that surface in Northwest Florida and all along the Gulf of Mexico. My co-host is Pam Hill. Pam, of course, thank you for joining me as always. Thank you for having me, Molly. Definitely. And Pam's sister was killed by her son, Pam's nephew, on Christmas Eve of 2013. She is a pharmacist as well as a grief and loneliness researcher. And because of her experience, she has a unique perspective on a lot of these cases that we talk about here on Gulf Coast Confidential. And today's episode is called Pamela Not-So-Smart Smart. So we're talking about the case of Pamela Smart. She, of course, is the New Hampshire teacher who seduced her 15-year-old student and convinced him to kill her husband, Gregory Smart, back in 1990. So I remember when that case happened. I graduated high school in 1991, so that was all the talk during those years when I was in high school and graduating, and I'm sure you remember it as well. I I do. It was the first uh, televised trial, gavel to gavel, and it's pre-OJ. It was sensational. There's a little teacher. There's a long-haired boy in there that's just probably learning to drive, and gavel to gavel, we could go right in the courtroom. I know. That's exactly right, and I remember watching To Die For. That Mm -hmm. was the movie featuring Nicole Kidman and Joaquin Phoenix, who played the teacher and the boy. And it's basically based on that whole story, the the Pam Smart story. So seductress. I, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I thought the movie was great. But I tell you, it's it's and it was, I think, really true after researching this case. I feel like it was very true to uh, to to what happened. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, some of it was obviously embellished and, and created for the movie narrative. But as far as like the the intent and the and the way she was a seductress mm-hmm. and the way that she plotted this and the selfish motivations to me rang true. Oh, yeah. And she was kind of in a unique position as a, a person that worked at the school because she was over like media services coordinator or something. So she wasn't necessarily always in the classroom with them. But this group, they said around the time when all this happened, the Florida Department of Citrus, I didn't know there's such a thing, but they said the Florida Department of Citrus wanted her to give them the assignment, let's make an orange juice commercial. You can't get much Floridian, more Floridian than that. I know, that's very true. Well, and for folks who aren't familiar with the case, we'll go ahead and give a recap real quick because Pam Smart is from Florida. She's 55 now, but she was 22 at the time. And like Pam was saying, she was a high school media coordinator. Um, When she began this affair with a 15-year-old student, William Billy Flynn, who later... She got him, convinced him to to kill her husband, apparently by withholding sex. She threatened to withhold sex. So, again, if it sounds familiar, you know, it's uh, what they based the movie to die for. And uh, and then Helen Hunt also starred in a TV series that was loosely based on the same case. Smart was convicted of conspiracy to commit murder, as well as other crimes, and sentenced to life in prison without parole, although she denied and has always denied, continues to deny knowledge of the plot. Smart said she would never admit to planning something she didn't do, including this murder. 
But uh, Flynn shot and killed Gregory Smart while he was on his knees with the help of some of his friends. He was granted parole in 2015. Ten years earlier, two of his accomplices were also paroled. Um, one of them, Vance Latime Jr., the getaway driver, he supplied the weapon, and Raymond Fowler, who helped plot the murder. Those were two of the defendants, and they were released from prison. And in March of this year, the court denied Pamela Smart's request to reduce her sentence, and all of her judicial appeals have also been denied. So, Pam, in your research and looking into this, tell us a little bit about what you've learned about Pam Smart. So she was from South Florida, grew up in Miami, went to college at Florida State University. You know, those of us who live in and around Florida who are from Florida, like Mm -hmm. I am. Mm -hmm. I know you were born here in Florida. You also are basically a Floridian, Mm -hmm. um, even though you spent a lot of years in in Birmingham, in the ham, in the ham, in Alabama. (laughs) But uh, we know how Floridians are. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. to hear this uh, story and think about it from the perspective of, oh, okay, she's from Florida. This is kind of how there's a little bit of something about like, okay, well, I'm not even necessarily surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Some people, yeah, they call it Florida woman, I guess. They always say Florida man. Well, what's your impression of her? Well, my impression of her was that she was proper, preppy looking lady. That's my first eyes on her. But when you read about her, she was a disc jockey also at FSU and she liked heavy metal. And so did Greg. They met and they kind of bonded over the music. And she kind of was a free spirit, too, in this button-down type of outside uh, armor she's got on. And and Greg was kind of a—had long hair. He had a pretty eyes and a gentle person, and they fell in love. But I think she was type A. It's got to be my way. I'm always going to excel. I'm going to keep my emotions in check. But I still can love people, you know. So that's what I think about her. But I also think she was very immature. Because here she is working at the school, and she's spending— In New Hampshire. Right, in in New Hampshire, spending her time with basically children. And when teachers do do that, we don't need a handbook to tell you you don't need to fraternize with children and watch certain movies like Nine and a Half Weeks. That's what they did one time. Uh, That's a very suggestive movie. mm -hmm, Nine and a Half Weeks is nothing but sex. Right. And so with all kind of other things in it. But she had done that with them, too. But how they all got kind of tangled up together was making this orange juice commercial because they had to be creative and use music and give their ideas. And all that's intoxicating to people that are those kind of folks, those creative, imaginative folks. It feels good to bounce ideas off of each other. Brainstorm and be creative together. Right. So that's what they were doing. And so when Pam and Greg her husband, Uh, when Greg got a new job, he was selling insurance for his dad. He kind of got his long hair. Well, he did. He got his long hair cut, had a regular little uh, handsome man haircut, and was straight-laced and everything like that. And she, I think, didn't like that. I think she's still living in her rock and roll fantasy. Right. And I read that they started having problems, so she was unhappy pretty quickly. Like, within Mm -hmm. six or seven months of being married, she was just uncomfortable, uneasy, dissatisfied, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe his cutting his hair and all that sounds like she was just struggling with growing up a little bit too. A little. And I mean, like you, when you have a job, you have to do your work. So he can't be running around going to concerts, doing all this kind of stuff. But then here she is. She's at school. I spy with my little eye, a young man over there with long 
stringy hair, I guess, that she liked. So she sent a note over to him, all right? Little doe-eyed, long-haired rocker over there, Billy Flynn, 16 years old, sent a note over to him. And I'm just making this simulate that because I'm trying to think about, all right, he gets a note from the teacher or the like media consultant. Like you would consultant. pass as a child. Right, exactly. And that's our text on your phone nowadays. It said, do you ever think about me? Because I think about you all the time. Okay, and this is coming from a basic um, vixen, I guess. Right, a 22-year-old, right. I'm hot for teacher type right. thing. It, our, our student, however it goes. And he's love-struck. It's his fantasy. He's hormonal, basically. You know, so here we go. We've got notes being passed. Seems like not so big a deal. But the note is from the daggum teacher. Yeah, she was seducing him. Mm-hmm. It was the first step. And it's it, it makes me wonder if she went about seducing him because she wanted him to kill her husband mm-hmm. or if it just became something she thought about after their romance, their affair started. I think it's the second one. I think she just kind of as uptight and as uh, together as she wanted to seem, I don't think she was. I think she kind of lived day by day because she really didn't have any huge plans for her life. Like if she's in media, you know, somebody might say, well, I want my own production company or I'm going to do this. You know, maybe she's happy going I'm going to make orange juice commercials with 16-year-olds all the time. Right. But it turned out that perhaps that was not what was satisfying to her. Exactly. So, and it wasn't just Billy Flynn that she roped into this plot to kill her husband. It's she, she, uh, basically he enlisted his friends, Mm -hmm. other teenagers. And then there was another young woman, a young teenage girl that uh, Pam Smart also sort of looped into her Mm -hmm. relationship Mm -hmm. with Billy. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. It's almost like she's creating her own little gang with these boys that helped Billy, they did that at the request of him. He's recruiting help because they got to find a gun. And they kind of did that in some sort of, as I call it, Keystone Cop way. And they got to find a car. They got to wait and borrow one of them's grandma's car. And it just went all kind of crazy ways. Eventually, they got it together. But the young lady that's important in this story, her name is Cecilia Pierce. She was Pam Smart's intern. So, I mean, She's kind of got a good position at school. She's got a secretary. She's got an intern. And she does her commercials, OJ commercials and other stuff that they ask her to do. So she probably does feel like, um, you know, she's the big lady on campus. Mm-hmm. And they, they're they probably flattered. I know when uh, people would tell me they were my sister's uh teacher's assistant. They'd always be proud of that because that means you picked that person yes. for some meritorious reason, you know. But so Cecilia, Cecilia is the one that passed this note from Pam to Billy. And we can only assume that she actually read it too yeah. and, 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 and knew what she was basically getting involved in. But I can see why she would go along with that as well. I mean, you don't, you wouldn't, you don't initially suspect that it's going to be mm-hmm. leading to the direction that it does. Right. I don't think any of them thought much past the day. I really don't. And children shouldn't have to. These are children. They're teenagers. This is a grown woman, 22 years old, and granted between 18 and 22, you know, that could be half a dozen or six another way. You know, it's not that big, big, big of a difference to some people. Yeah, 16 but, and 22. But when you're that, but when you're when you're an adult and you're mm-hmm. a minor, that's illegal. That's, yeah, that that is a lot. But so there, she's creating her little gang like that, and she seems pretty happy with all them doing that, because Greg was gone selling and this, that, and the other. And then so he does, He doesn't come home one night. Greg doesn't. So she finds out that he had an affair. So that's why she wants a divorce from her husband. Because he said, I'm sorry. I think he made some atonement and this, that, and the other. But I think she was doing this 
weird, I'm living in a child's world thing. Mm-hmm. For Too much for him. That's interesting. So he steps out. She's feeling all the more rejected, mm-hmm. dissatisfied, begins a sexual relationship with this 16-year-old boy, um, or 15-year-old boy, I guess, when she first met him, and then and then it just progressed. But uh, it sounds like at some point she doesn't want to work on her marriage anymore. She realized she's just starting to think about divorce, mm-hmm. doesn't want the expense that's going to come with that. That is a story that we have told in other cases over and over again. Usually it's mm-hmm. the man, like mm-hmm. we talked about with Chris. Watts. I think that was his big motivation. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be free to be with his girlfriend, and he didn't want to have to pay to support a family that he no longer wanted. And I think that's what happens over and over again. And in this case, she didn't have a family with Greg. They hadn't had any kids, right. but she didn't want to part with the money. So right. he was more valuable to her dead than he was alive. Right. And I think because of her sexual relationship with Billy Flynn, she was threatening to withhold sex from him, knowing that that was his, obviously, a big part of their relationship. And he didn't want to be without her, mm-hmm. you know. He was all wrapped up in that world at that point, and uh, and so he he went ahead and, and killed him. And that was a tragic, sad story to mm-hmm. hear about Greg on his knees, not wanting to die, mm-hmm. and and Billy basically put the gun to his head and said, "God forgive me," and pulled mm-hmm. the trigger anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. And they also told him, uh, "Give us your wedding ring," and he wouldn't. He said, "I can't. My wife will kill me." Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, I, I mean, know. He just didn't know, did he? And so here she is creating all this fracas, and I'll, we'll break up, talking like a little child. I'm going to break up with you. She didn't want to lose, I think it's like $144,000, and she didn't want her uh, little illicit uh, romp with the teenager. Her, her whole career would be over. So she had to put a stop to it. And basically, she didn't pull the trigger. She didn't do this, that, and the other. It is, there are people that think Pam Smart is not guilty. That she should be out because Mm -hmm. she is the only one that's still in prison. Right. She's the only one that will not admit to Mm -hmm. that she did it. And I mean, she probably could be out if she admitted to it. That's terrible. No, you're probably right, though, but she didn't want to do it. And I I was reading up on what life has been like for her in prison, and I know you have as Mm -hmm. well. She's got at least two masters, one in literature and one in law. Um, and and apparently, she, and, and you told me that she what became an ordained minister yeah. as well? Yes, yeah, she got a doctorate in the ministry. That's interesting. Yeah. But apparently, she did an interview with a reporter who um, basically just wrote this from memory. They, they didn't go through the process of submitting for a media interview because it was more time-consuming. Mm-hmm. But Pam Smart had invited this reporter to come and listen to her and visit with her like a regular visit. Wow. And so when they were talking, she basically said, you know, I'm making the most of my time here. I've gotten offers for marriage. Multiple men have written to her and and, and wanted to, you know, have a relationship with her. At one point, she even had a photo shoot that was pictures that were suggestive, that were sold to the Inquirer. She said that she was coerced by a guard into mm-hmm. taking those pictures. Um, yeah. But she also said she was no angel in prison, that she'd learned learned how to steal, learned how to smuggle, if you will, had gotten in fights. Uh, in fact, two inmates, two other inmates um, attacked her one day because they thought she had tattled on them, you know, on uh, about their relationship or something that they were doing that they felt like she had, she was to blame for them getting caught or found out. And they uh, attacked her and assaulted her, and she had a fractured eye socket and had mm. to have a steel plate put oh in her face. Oh, my goodness. So it has not been easy, you know, being in that prison. So to your point, if confessing your role in this crime of murdering your husband is what would get you out of prison, Mm -hmm. you would think that would be motivation enough. But it sounds like she's yet another one that perhaps isn't ready to take responsibility. No, No, she 
she she created a defense and she stuck to it. And I forgot to tell you earlier, she's also a praise dancer. She learned to be a praise dancer in, 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 in the joint. But also, one interesting, there's many interesting things because this is, like I said, the first sensational pre-OJ type thing. So people were watching her come in the courthouse and she looked kind of matronly the way she had her clothes and her hair. She still looked okay, you know, nice enough, I guess. And people said her eyes were dead, like shark eyes. But they asked her, what's your problem with showing emotion? She said, I've been taught just to basically white knuckle through it. And so one of the things she and her defense were saying, hey, oh, big old Judge Gray that's, you know, 57 years old, and I think he's like 6'5", they call him the hanging judge. He thought, look at this. I'm the judge on this here show we got going. First reality show. Yeah, first right. reality show before court the TV broadcast yeah, it right from before everybody. So he's gavel, sitting up gavel. there, yeah, big old tall Judge Gray, and he goes, "Hmm, I think I want Clint Eastwood to play me." You know, so that's kind of what they they were saying. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but that's what I've heard over and over again. Well, I thought, and obviously, you know, to die for is is a narrative that's uh, fiction, and but based on the movie, so the ending is nothing like what happened in real life. Mm-hmm. But in the movie. Basically, her husband has ties to the mob and the mm. family, even though she she's tr- so Nicole Kidman's character is tried and I believe found not guilty for the crime. And I let that was that famous line that was popular at the time where she steps out of the courthouse and she goes, you're not anyone in America if you're not on television. <laughs> yeah, you know, crazy line. Right. Maybe true. <laughs> but to a certain extent, because it was playing up, you know, the real Pam Smart's role in media and how mm-hmm. she was this creative personality and she did want this attention. She had been a DJ. She had been involved in, in more exciting life and mm-hmm. maybe she was actually mm-hmm. living. Um, but then, you know, because of his affiliation with the mob, the mob, it, it implies that they take out Nicole mm-hmm. Kidman's character. And and Pam Smart is still alive and mm-hmm. well and, and living in prison. And so what they did say, though, is this reporter asked her if she was interested in having her own family because, you know, mm-hmm. they are allowed conjugal visits if she were to marry one of these men that had proposed to her via letters, jail mail. And she said, no, I'm not interested in them. I don't have time for a relationship right now. I just have too much else going on. She's been working, mm-hmm. trying to get out, even though she just lost this lady appeal. Um, But she also said that, you know, if she were to have a baby, she would just let one of the prison guards knock her up because that was a problem. That was actually a thing that they were always offering to have sex with her and other inmates. She said that was a reasonable thing if she wanted to have a child, but she decided she didn't want to have a child with a guard or in prison because after a year or so uh, or or after a certain amount of time, her mother would end up having to raise the Mm -hmm. child and she didn't want to burden her mother with her baby. I can't even believe he thought all that. I can't even believe people think like that. Well, it's almost like a way of saying it's still talking up her sexuality, isn't it? Yeah. That's how yeah, I but that's it. what she that's her selling point is that seductress or the I'm over here and I'm really not the problem, but I really am type of thing, yes. you know, and, and she just she's like the puppeteer or certain things. And now I do think some of the stuff that happened with her, the media circus and stuff, I do think that they should have changed the venue away from where it was because they didn't do that. Everybody already knew about this case. Yeah. And and I do think that they should have sequestered the jury, which they did not do. Right. And and that's one of the things that her defense attorney said when the, the parole board basically said, no, we're not going to consider lessening your sentence. Mm-hmm. They had done months of research. They put together a, a huge, basically, 
case to present their side of things of why she should be released. And they didn't look at it at all. Mm -hmm. They just like in a two and a half minute Mm -hmm. hearing, Mm -hmm. they said no. And it was frustrating to the defense attorney because he was saying, well, why, you know, we've we've done all this work. At least you could do is look at Mm -hmm. it. And they, and he, I think he filed a complaint and they were like, and the court basically ruled, no, there's no, nobody has to look at this. This isn't the type of case that requires the sort of due process that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. That's not required. They don't have to look at it. She doesn't get out. But she was saying essentially that that's what her focus was on, was trying to get out. That's why she didn't want a relationship. But she's got time now. Yeah. Oh, she's got plenty of time. Well, and her release date is 99 slash 99 slash 99 99. That's on her paperwork. But also with this situation, when these boys and, you know, I, I found it Interesting when one attorney would say William Flynn Mm -hmm. and another one say, oh, Billy Flynn, you know, use whatever you want to do. If you want people to think he's a boy, you say Billy. If you want him to people to think he's a grown man, you say Bill or William. It's just so funny how systems are. But when everybody got arrested, the boys or men, they're all clustered together. And her defense says they had a chance to conspire and that's what the whole deal with Pam Smart is. It's a conspiracy. Those four boys against me. Because she was by herself. She's in the women's lane over here. But they could have done that. But I watched um, some live coverage of Billy Flynn telling what he did. And he seemed real to me that he knew that he had done something awful and it will never go away and he should have never done it in his life. And I don't know about the others, but I was watching him particularly. And when I hear Pam Smart talk, I don't hear her talk about Greg too much, but she, she did say this. She said, I will cop to having the affair with a 16 year old or teenager or child, whatever we want to say. I will cop to that, but I didn't kill Greg. I didn't pull the trigger. Well, we know that. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't have been pulled mm-hmm. by him had it not been for her. Right. And that's the part she doesn't want to admit to. Exactly. And these judges on sentencing and stuff, they they held pretty tight to him. You know, here's these boys got a different judge. It's all about judges, I think, in our legal system. I agree. Depending on who you get, it can take your case any different direction. Mm-hmm. Even though the law spells out a good bit of the time what sentences should be, how it should go. But at the end of the day, those judges can still interpret like they want to. Uh, no doubt. I mean, she's in, what, a 7 by 10 cell with uh, a little toilet and lavatory and the, not bars. I think it's like a door, like a small dorm room. But she has to be mentally tough, I have to say. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, there's a lot of um, well-known feminism advocates that are Mm -hmm. trying to advocate for her to get early release too for all the reasons that you just said basically Mm -hmm. she was set up as vilified as the as the the wicked woman in this situation Mm -hmm. the evil seductress but that may not necessarily be wrong and Mm -hmm. even though she didn't pull the trigger she is the reason that he's Mm -hmm. dead so if she wants to cling to her story that she's not responsible and that's keeping her in prison i i don't know that i i consider myself someone that is strong proponent of women's rights but i don't see myself advocating for her in mm-hmm. that regard. Yeah. I don't I feel like there's a lot of other cases if I'm going to spend my time advocating for mm-hmm. somebody I'd rather actually advocate for someone who's truly innocent. Right. Right. And I mean like she's she's bought her own BS, you know, mm-hmm. she's advocated for herself and uh, she hurt a lot of her friends hurt, you know, that she's gone and they basically in the trial, they tore her friends apart, you know, when they were testifying and stuff so uh 
that was hard for everybody. It seems like she's like a Teflon Don, except she's in prison forever. Right. 99, 99, 99, 99. <laughs> so any takeaways for you on this case? Oh, I... You have it's it's sad that we have to watch our children at school. I think that you know I'm familiar with that. My ex brother in law was sexting a child at school, and then the administration goes, "Well, I guess it's that bad." It is bad. It is bad. Grown ups should not be texting children at school. You should not be fraternizing with them. You should be their teacher. And then the rest of us that are not doing all that stuff, when you see that stuff, they they need their behavior corrected, or they need need to be removed away from children. We shouldn't have to cross our fingers and worry every day. And most teachers, I would say 99% of them, are good. But these are our most precious resources, our children. We're sending to school. And I don't like people messing with the children in my life's brain and their mind. You know, teach them stuff, but you don't want all this weird uh, psychology watching nine and a half weeks and doing this no. and doing that and playing the guitar together. I don't want all that. No, it's completely inappropriate. And and to your point, on Gulf Coast Confidential, we've covered other cases where teachers have behaved badly uh, or, and people also in positions of authority. And if you're interested in following up on that, those episodes are called Lambs to the Slaughter. And it's about a teacher in Pensacola High School who repeatedly targeted students and, and molested them and was now in prison for that. And then another one is about a, a local youth pastor who also had an inappropriate sexual encounters with a, a young woman who'd actually been abused before, and he met her through the church youth group. So again, that's lambs to the slaughter. And Pam was talking about her former brother-in-law. Um, the ex-husband of her sister was killed. And if you'd like to learn more about that, because there's a whole story around what happened in the years leading up to the time that Brandon Adelot murdered Sharon Adelot, mm -hmm. you can learn more about that by watching Mommy Killer 1 and 2 or listening to Mommy Killer 1 and 2. And then there's also Secrets in the school, uh, secrets in the Fieldhouse mm -hmm. um, that we would suggest that you listen, especially when it talks, because that talks all about how Randy Adelot was caught sending through hundreds of messages, many sexual, to a 14-year-old girl in his science class who was actually a fellow student uh, of Brandon's as well. So just so you know, we try to stay on top of these cases mm -hmm. and talking about them from a, a point of view of experience, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. me be from covering it for years and... In, uh, as a crime reporter, and then you from actually living it. Just, what happened what the to your heck? sister? You know, what the feasy type of thing. I can't even believe this. But what they do now on the telephone is just a very sophisticated version of this. Absolutely. It's still passing notes. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. When leaving a digital trail. Yep. Well, Pam, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Thank you for having me. And we appreciate you for joining us for Pamela Not So Smart Smart. Thank you for joining us on Gulf Coast Confidential. I'm your host, writer and producer, Molly Barrows, with co-host and researcher Pam Hill. And a big thanks, as always, to director, editor, and production engineer, James Roy. And remember, you can listen to more Gulf Coast Confidential episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And you can also watch on the Gulf Coast Confidential YouTube channel. And don't forget to like and subscribe. We'll see you next time. Thank you.